1: Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.
3: You know, I, I remember I was trying to get the, the magazine interested in the, in the building. I sent some information to architectural magazines and I got nothing back. Nothing. At, at some point, the Zine, first article was in the, in the Zine magazine. And the, the article got like 70 comments. Uh, which 69 were negative. Uh, and that was, that was common based on the, on the look of the building. And you know, you know that everybody has to look at it and I don't care what people like or not. But what's happened when the building became the Airbnb and people were spending night over there and just saying that that was experience of their life, then I knew my building works.
1: This is Spaces Podcast, where we aim to elevate the appreciation and understanding of the spaces we occupy every day. Hello, my name is Demetrius, and you are listening to Spaces Podcast. Thank you for coming back, everybody. First, some quick housekeeping items. Thank you so much for listening this year. This has been a great year of conversations, but this is the last episode of 2022, and we will be going on a break. If you've had any questions or like to hear any additional thoughts on anything that you've heard in our episodes this year, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hello at spacespodcast.com. Also, with the break... It will be an extended one because there's going to be some evolution with the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what you enjoy or don't about the show, and we can incorporate that in our next iteration. I also strongly encourage you to subscribe and follow us on social media now so that you can stay connected through this evolution. Now, on to this episode. In this conversation, we speak with Thomas Osinski, artist, architect, industrial designer and designer of the invisible house in Joshua Tree. We discussed several aspects of the design in this episode, including the inspiration, process, design considerations for the high desert environment, and hidden elements like structural, mechanical, and utilities for the home. Early on in the conversation, we had some connection issues with Thomas that I'll spare you of, but Thomas did share some insight into how the project came to him that I'll share now. The project site is an 88-acre raw property located in Joshua Tree, California. If you're not familiar, it's the southern tip of the Mojave Desert and about 130 miles east of Los Angeles. The property owners had installed a small mobile structure on the property to use as a retreat when they wanted to get away. The County of San Bernardino took issue with the unpermitted structure which led the couple on a search to find someone to help with the permitting process. Thomas was introduced through a mutual friend to assist in what, to his surprise, became a year-long process to get the structure permitted. It was ultimately a dead end as the structure did not meet the county's minimum requirements for a habitable space, so the client opted to build a new structure. To hear Thomas tell it, The masterpiece that you see today was not some grand design and concept from the very beginning, but more of an organic process and evolution of the design. They started with the minimum requirement from the county of a 20 foot wide, 750 square foot box that fit the simplistic design aesthetic that the client was looking for. They also wanted to add a pool next to the building, but after considering the snakes and dust that they would have to contend with, they decided it would be best if it were within the structure and protect it. Later, additional rooms were added and located on the other side of the pool, extending the structure more and more through the process. Thomas found the clients to be more audacious than him in some ways, pushing for grander elements like the all-glass facade. Today, the Invisible House is a four-bed and four-bath privately owned home that is available for rent for filming, photography, photography intimate events and larger outdoor experiences. The 5,500 square foot home is designed as one long continuous narrow space with a 100 foot long interior pool as its centerpiece. Intended to appear as it has lightly landed in this moonscape, the structure is built on a series of reinforced concrete pillars and appears to float. The name Invisible House comes from the mirrored tempered glass that wraps the entire facade which reflects the surrounding environment, almost disappearing amongst the desert rocks and shrubs. Now let's pick up in this conversation between me, my co-host Michelle, and Thomas Asensky.
0: So just spec-wise, I mean, just, is it three bedrooms or four bedrooms? How many square feet? How many bathrooms? Um, washer, dryer? Can you kind of just walk through some of the, the specs of the home?
3: It's a, it's, it's, it's a four-bedroom house. Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a main uh, suite. Uh, there are two small bedrooms, and there's a substantial uh, guest uh, room with the bedroom and bathroom right there. Each bedroom has its own bathroom. Okay.
1: Have you spent an extended period of time, no, I, like I, stayed I, there all day and through the night?
3: I did not. People say, are saying that this is experience of their life. I didn't have it yet. So. <laughs> How do you? I not think I'm gonna I'm gonna i gonna i gonna go there, you know, shortly. Uh, I was invited to do that, but it just, you know, I'm 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 waiting for the good time to do it.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to jump back. You talked about how the experience is really the surrounding environment, and you try to not modify that environment. Can you talk a little bit about the foundation? Because the the house is essentially floating.
3: At least half of the house, 120 feet of the house, is on the uh, you know, regular foundation in the ground. Then there are a couple columns, and the rest is, is, is hanging in the air.: Yeah, with the things underneath being the way they used to be. lots of rocks and lizards and you know the, just, just regular desert.
0: Where is the electrical? So when you think about the things behind a home, is it all underneath? Like, where are all the outlets?
3: Everything is underground. Okay. So the electrical is underground. We don't have an electrical pole. We run the very long line of electrical to have it underground. And uh, we have actually, the building has a basement area that is as big as the pool parallel to the pool and that's where the mechanical equipment is located and electrical batteries and stuff like that then we have a big parapet uh, high parapet walls on the top of the building that allow us to put the the ray of solar panels and water heating uh, system that is not visible from the outside and we can keep the building line you know as clean as possible
1: so that the part that actually touches the earth that's the basement and where you guys kept all of the utilities, essentially? That's right. Got it.
3: Going back to the interior, what's happened, you know, on the outside, there's few aspects of every object, basically. You, you look at this thing and it, it looks in a certain way, but then with architecture, it it's sort of function in a certain way and give you a certain experience. The beautiful thing about the experience in that house is that you're in the middle of the desert. You're on the as I said it's a moonscape environment. And you can't escape it. You are separated with the sheet of glass from it, but you basically even at night you're in the middle of the desert actually exposed. There's a there's an unusual there, there, there's no corner to hide. There's nothing you're 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 in the glass. You're you're like in, in an aquarium in the middle of the of the desert and 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 that 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 is something i think very special i wholeheartedly
0: agree with you from a privacy standpoint are you far enough away from any other structure or person walking i mean could you comfortably walk through this invisible house uh naked and not have fear that someone's going to be seeing you <laughs>
3: Yeah, the, the the building is far away from the neighbors. As yeah. I said, it's an 80 acres property. The building is somewhere in the middle. Okay. So there's a big distance to any public road of other houses.
1: For our listeners that aren't uh, native to California or nearby that would understand this area, Joshua Tree gets pretty good temperature swing where you can have extreme heat, 110-plus degrees Uh, But you can also go the other direction to where there's snow. Can you talk a little bit about considerations for designing for that extreme, those extreme weather conditions?
3: Later, after finishing the house, we extend the number of uh, solar panels to get more electricity. The air conditioning system works pretty well. It's not used all day long. It's used basically in the afternoon when it becomes needed, when the, when the heat gain is getting to the house. But for most of the day, it's not necessary just because of the type of glass that we use. And it's a, it's a high desert. It's slightly different than... It's actually, it's much different than, than Palm Springs. Palm Springs is a low desert. This is high desert. So the, the swings in temperature are pretty drastic uh, between the night and the day and between the winter and the summer. Uh, the summer is scorching, you know, uh, for months, and the winter can be can be pretty cold. You can have couple days with the snow uh, every few years, but not often. There's there's no freezing. There's snow, but we we don't have a freezing.
0: Now you mentioned earlier that the home is built of steel and concrete. On one of the edges, uh, the I, I'm seeing sort of this crossbar steel. Uh, that is, you know, maybe on the first three or four feet from the concrete floor. Talk to me about that. What's what's that for?
3: That was <laughs> that that was what we needed to do to stiffen the building. Okay, the building was too flexible. We had a requirement that the building at the end of the cantilever does not bend more than three eighth of an inch. And actually, before glass installation, it was bending more, so we had to stiffen it. Oh wow! So it's a structural stiffening of the building.
0: Okay, is all of the HVAC in the ceiling?
3: We have we have insulation on the top of the roof. There's a thick foam insulation. Okay. And everything else is sort of exposed within the ceiling joists that are steel joists, and we do not have a ceiling cover. We don't. We do not have a drywall there. Okay. It's open.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's a really neat look the the matching between a drywall and a concrete and steel I think that would not that would not go well in my personal opinion um, okay so I want to go back to the windows because I have been in in homes where your like I'll just use my own home as an example I have a a 16 foot pocket door that really you know almost expands across the entire length of our of the rear of our home. It is north-facing, so it doesn't really even get direct sunlight. And yet that room, even when we're running our air conditioning, is always several degrees warmer. It never really gets too cold. So in the invisible house, you have almost 360-degree floor-to-ceiling windows, really spectacular. Is there a certain coating or is that a certain style or type of window that helps retract the sunlight and then the follow-up question to that is are there blinds or curtains that come down from the ceiling that you know so if you didn't want to have that sunlight uh you you have an option to create some shade
3: yeah there are there are some blinds that can be lowered and uh, we designed the pocket next to the windows in the whole length of the building there are pockets that can accommodate the some kind of a screening if necessary the glass we use really special glass. We use the solar reflective glass with the multiple coatings on the inside of the glass. It's a it's a layered glass. It's it has a pocket of gas inside. So it was very expensive glass, but it it was worth it.
0: Yeah. What year was the home built? And and I guess maybe also what year was the home designed?
3: The building was finished in two thousand nineteen. Uh, we started designing in in either two thousand ten or two thousand eleven. Okay, and we got the permit about the same time. So it took a long time to build it for different reasons, uh, not because it's so it was so difficult, but it's, you know it was sizable project and, and needed to be financed, and you know it took some time to do that.
0: Do you have on a per square foot basis sort of a rough number on what the all-in build cost was for you know again really an art piece I think more so than a house.
3: <laughs> I don't have an exact number. But except for the outside glazing, it's the average house cost. It's a simple box The details the, you know, the finishing took some attention and detailing. And, you know, we we don't have a things covered by drywall that look bad. So we we had to have everything to look pretty nice.
1: Let's take a break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Hello, Spaceless listeners. Demetrius here. The other day I was on Instagram and I saw Michelle traveling the world again. I think she was in London this time. Now if you're a frequent traveler like her, or want to live vicariously through a frequent traveler, our new sponsor is your ticket. Travel by Design, an original podcast from Marriott Bonvoy. In this podcast, host Hamish Kilburn, editor of Hotel Designs, speaks with architects, designers, And visionaries who dive deep into their designs and highlight what connects us to the world's most extraordinary travel experiences. If you know me, you know my passion for storytelling and audio production, and this show delivers. Their episode on El Mangrove, a hotel in the mangrove jungle in Costa Rica, really immerses you in the experience of the hotel. From a secluded overwater villa in the Maldives, to a trendy hotspot in downtown LA, Hamish and the team do a great job highlighting the often overlooked nuances of design, the benefits design brings to guests, and by the end of each episode, I'm sure you'll want to travel. Beyond just the great quality and storytelling, these episodes are super easy to listen to. That Costa Rica episode is actually just over 12 minutes, so it's a great one to test out the show. Check out Travel by Design. All you have to do is simply scroll down to our show notes, click the Travel by Design link, And easily listen today. Hey, Demetrius here. As you may know, Spaces is part of Gable Media, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. Gable empowers AE professionals just like you to better serve the world. Now, through the strategic development of a brand new membership platform, we are eliminating the traditional industry boundaries and information bottlenecks that we all experience but we need your help. Please go to gablemedia.com members and pick your top three initiatives that you believe will have the greatest impact on your growth, including a continuing education program, VIP access to expert forums and private Q and A's, community boards, special freebies, and more. Go to gablemedia.com members and let us know what you'd like to see.
2: small firm entrepreneur architects, get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business.
0: If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business, six to 12 months out, this is what we need.
2: We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond.
1: There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work, so you're like, well, I'm either going to charge
2: enough to be profitable or I'm going to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have
1: backlog and you don't need any more work, so you charge way more.
0: I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best like the best, best, best. (laughs) So for any client for any professional service um, company, if you're gonna take one thing away from what we're talking about today, is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio.
2: Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes. It's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better
1: businesses. And now let's get back to the conversation. So Thomas, I've been this proponent and and trying to push this idea that Uh, if we were to shift the way that we build homes to, uh, lean more, at least closer towards steel, um, metal frame construction that we could potentially lower costs or at least, uh, have the same costs and and speed up labor potentially. Can you talk a little bit about that? Do you have an opinion after doing this home that's all steel construction?
3: I have a very strong opinion. I think the, the, the way we build in California is really short-term uh, uh, gain. The the way that buildings are built is the, the cheapest initial cost. Nobody cares how much it's going to cost later on, and nobody wants to put extra money on the beginning to save more money later on. And it you can see it in the in the in the building construction. You have you have five stories building, you know, four stories over concrete uh, garages build out of wood those are not permanent structures and maybe they don't have to be not not all architecture needs to be permanent but then you have another thing you have a problem of mechanical design when everybody goes for the cheaper solution you get the air force uh, system and you pay nine thousand dollars as you could do you could do some other things so i am building another uh, building on the desert and uh, I'm gonna spend money, and I'm gonna uh, do geothermal on this thing. It's a perfect place to do it. But there's there's not even in the building departments there's not even standards how to do it. It's a new thing. It's very it's pretty popular on the East Coast. There's no traces of it in in in, in Southern California except a few houses of couple celebrities. So I don't think we are building well. I think we are building with garbage, and and mm-hmm. you know that's our culture. I think we should pay more attention to to performance of the building after it's built. But you know, you build, you sell, and you go to another project. Then the headache is, you know, for the other person. There's a, there's another issue here. You know, the and that's something that I I feel very strong about it. The last last house I designed for for middle class client was at least twenty five years ago. And it didn't happen after that because it just doesn't happen. The, the middle class is not building anything. Some other people are building for them and, and, and building things that are less and less possible for, for middle class to be, to be a part of it. And, and that, that raises question for me, very important question. I am, I am sort of free-spirited. I think freedom is the, is the, the most cherished thing that we, we could ever have. And, and, and look what's happened with the architecture, what's happened with the you know, people becoming renters, they're not homeowners anymore, a, anymore. And who is making decisions about basic things in their life? Developers, contractors, financial institutions. So, so those decisions are made by other people. So, so the, the freedom of people to decide what they do with their environment, what they do with their life, is getting less and less. You can make a beautiful futuristic buildings, but uh, where's the where's where's the human in it? I mean, we 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 we, we are talking about environment, we are talking about the green building, we are talking about sustainability, and where's and the humanity is lost. There's no person in it. We are in this Le Corbusier uh, utopia when the people is just badly sketched little stick figure, and the most important thing is is, is the building. It shouldn't be that way
0: i love that you you identified all that i mean i love that we we're getting to this point in in our discussion um yeah there's definitely a conflict between what is efficient and economical and feasible and then what is really right i'd love to hear more about other projects um, that you have worked on or are working on that are similar to the Invisible House? I mean, th- again, this is, I, I keep saying it, but it's it's really an architectural gem. It's an artwork. It's an art piece. Um, is that the majority of your portfolio, Thomas? Or? Uh, ab-
3: absolutely not. I, I, okay. I, I spend a long time to supporting the family and dealing with, you know, just doing the decent work as an architect, uh, serving clients, and their needs the way you know with the limitation that uh, came with it, uh, uh, there will be no other uh, uh, invisible house because as I you know, it, it, it's a nice thing be, being the artist. You you learn how to trash your, your 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 things that you did before, and you you sort of you always want to be somewhere where you haven't been before because you have this this need to experience new things, and you know so so th- there will be no other in Invisible house. They're, 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 you know, I'm designing other houses. I'm designing other projects, but I'm going away from it. And again, you know, this is this is very minimalistic uh, project, and and it's great, and I really I, re- I really love it. But I couldn't have it as my house. I am too messy. I couldn't keep it clean. <laughs> I, I will I, I I will I will just trash it in two days. So I am designing my house that I'm building in twenty nine pounds right now. Actually, we're building it right now. And it's going to be a different building because there's a there's a life that is introduced to this thing this this thing as beautiful as it is, it's sort of austere and you know it's a beauty about it. it's sort of lifeless so the, 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 there are other ways of doing it If I heard you
1: correctly, you said uh the building isn't the most important thing. How do you make the the people who I assume you're you're saying are the most important thing? How do you make them? The most important thing through the work
3: that you do you know the the uh, I give you the example because I think that would uh, that would explain my my way of thinking a uh, long long time ago I was sort of uh, trying to to build a resort in Belize long time ago before all the other resorts were built and there was a there was some kind of dilemma because you you put people in the jungle uh, with the roaring jaguars at night and, and with snakes and, and all kind of bugs, and what experience should they have? So the, the beautiful thing about experience is if, if you are scared a little bit, that's a great experience. If you are scared a lot, it's not. So balancing the comfort with this comfort, which this glass house does, you know, it's a, it's a comfortable thing, but at the same time you're exposed to it, and you 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 can escape it. Then this this is this is something that gives people certain experience, and there there are many experiences. This is just one of them. You know, I I remember I was trying to get the the magazine interested in the in the building. I sent some information to architectural to magazines, and I got nothing back. Nothing. At, at some point, Design first article was in the in Design the magazine, and the the article got like seventy comments. Uh, which sixty nine were negative uh, mm. and that was that was common based on the on the look of the building and you know you know everybody has to look at, and I don't care what people like or not, but what's happened when the building became the Airbnb, and people were spending night over there and just saying that that was experience of their life, then I knew my building works yeah i don't care how is it uh, value architecturally it doesn't really matter but this is what people feel inside and what their experience is is very important
0: for sure it's an experience it's not i mean from a practical standpoint i think we can all admit there's no practicality to it at all
3: absolutely no you big, know there's
0: I, I don't see storage i don't see a coat closet i mean there's basic things that in a
3: have that no no we, we yeah, can't. i'm
0: sure you do but i mean i you know, in a home that you live in, right, uh, a, an attached garage, like there's basic things that in a home that you live in day in and day out, um, there's a, a level of functionality that, that you would hope to have. That's not what you've accomplished in a visible home. And it, it certainly wasn't the intent, I don't think. I mean, you, you've you done something that's much different in the experience. I mean, just looking at the pictures, I I really didn't spend much time looking at it until this morning, you know, in preparation for our recording. And uh you know now i'm sort of i'm i'm uh i'm inspired and you know for my 40th birthday i'm thinking like okay who what what four friends or sorry what six additional friends can i cobble together and and can we spend a long weekend at the invisible house with with no intent to go anywhere but to just be in the home and experience the views and the the pool and and the lounging and the beauty i mean it's just it's gorgeous and it's that experience that i think is is you've, you've really accomplished it um The question I wanted to ask you, so uh, I did one year of architecture school at uh, USC, University of Southern California, and and I ultimately switched majors um, because I realized that architecture was a very subjective art form. You know, I, I remember presenting projects to professors and one professor would think that it was brilliant and the next professor would have a litany of criticisms and I didn't like that subjectivity. Um, I also realized that architects made about $32,000 a year as their starting salary. And I, <laughs> I said, that's not going to work for me. But here nor there, my freshman year um, at USC in architecture school, I studied as one of my projects, a, the REM cool house uh, house. Right. And I see some striking similarities. And I'm just curious, um, is that purely coincidence? Or was there any inspiration that you took from either the cool house house? Uh, house or any others for that matter.
3: There was none, as I said. It okay. started with the little box with the bed in it. We added another box. We cover everything together. There was no inspiration. You know, it, it's it's a simple thing. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a basic thing. You 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 just put the mirror in the desert. I mean, there's there's nothing new about it, and there is nothing nothing revolutionary about it. It's it, it's sort of obvious, except this one was done right and it works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you
1: think that organic process is how architecture should be it's just the part next to the part that next to the part that makes sense within its context or should there be a concept
3: It, it probably works differently for different people but with the, with the organic process, you, what you have, you, you start with something and you develop it and then you get the problems. And if you, you start fixing things, so you can get the project that all, all you have is fixes and that's not good. So you have to have some basic idea where you're going with it. But I love organic. This building is probably not, not the best example of it mm. because it, it, it's totally finished. There is no, there is no uh, unnecessary things in it. It's very, as I said, austere and uh, and minimalistic, and that's the way it, it needs to be. But the thing I I love in architecture is the. Few years ago, uh, we had a you know, family vacation in Turkey, and I find this little town village called Ayazini, and there's no hotel there, there's no restaurant, there's nothing there except uh, the sort of little hills with cliffs and caves dug in it, sort of like a tiny Cappadocia, but not exactly, that were from the time of Hettites and then Greeks and and everybody was using it and it's still over there. And when I was uh, trying to get the, from one place to another, I had to go through the around the farmhouse of somebody. There was an old couple sitting on the balcony and they said, oh, you have to look over there. You have to look over there. They asked me to open the door. And I opened the door. And there was like, you know, over 2,000 years old cave dug by people with the tractor parked in it. So this is my my ideal architecture. where it changes with the time, changes with the people, it's not stagnant. And it's, it, it's just part of life. And my master's degree in, in the Academy of Fine Art in Warsaw was, uh, was about... A, about that, about the things that are changing, the the the, the, the cycle of uh, creating and destroying. We are sort of always somewhere in between. The the thing I, I hate the most is when something is being built, even a h- historical thing, and then it's cordon with the with the barrier, cordon with the lines, and we're gonna keep it the way it is right now. Well, we should let we should let things. Die and we should let things disappear. That's that. That's a cycle of life. Interesting.
0: It's inspiring to be speaking with you, Thomas. I mean, you really have created something that is just spectacular. And whether it was uh, deliberate or by accident, um, oh,
3: there was no accident. No, there, no, we. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You, we were in control, so you know.
0: It's no, a, no, <laughs> I know that. But but it, you've described sort of this. I'll use the word organic. I mean, it's just been this sort of very organic process. And you know, I don't think either. From what I can understand, it doesn't seem like either you or the client set out with this grandiose idea of we're going to create this masterpiece in the desert. It just it it was meant to be. Almost it it
3: sounds like. No, we did not start like that. It ended. Yeah, exactly. Like it ended like that, but all of it was intentional. So there was no accident there.
0: Yeah. Well, we really appreciate uh, hearing from you, and I-, I hope you get to stay in the home. I I hope I get to stay in the home. As I said, I've got a fortieth birthday that's uh, not imminent, but coming soon, and uh, <laughs> I- I'm thinking this would be a perfect spot.
1: So, Thomas, for anyone um, that would be taking on. A desert house, um, or or a a home in these this sort of setting, what advice would you give them about approaching something like this?
3: Yeah, do do it quickly because things are changing. <laughs> the desert, the high desert is the last architecturally free zone in this country. You don't have an architectural board of unemployed architects that spend evenings criticizing other people's work you don't have you don't have design standards you don't have anything that would preclude you from exploring your creativity so do do it quick because it's changing
1: (laughs) good advice thank you so much thomas this this has been a great conversation um thank you michelle for joining us thank you to the listeners for listening and we'll talk again on the next one thanks thanks again for listening Don't forget to check out our sponsors by checking them out and supporting them. You help us keep this show going. Thank you again to travel by design for their support of this episode behind the facade of every world-class hotel. There's a story waiting to be heard. Make sure you hear that story by simply scrolling down to our show notes and click the travel by design link to listen today. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable media network. You can check out similar content at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon.
2: with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International shaping the future of digital transformation in the design construction and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days, very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.